Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. The Athletic. It might not have been the prettiest of performances, but it got the job done, and it was livened up by the snow at the Etihad on Sunday as well. But that win over West Ham leaves City a point off the top of the table, with United offering a helping hand by drawing with leaders Chelsea. It's now very tight at the top. Chelsea in first, a point ahead of City in second, who are a point ahead of Liverpool in third. You can probably expect a stressful title race this time around. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney, and he's pulled his finger out to do some written work this week now that his Polish shoulder is a little bit better it's Sam Lee hiya Sam hello Rodri this week yeah. isn't it yeah yeah Rodri I, d- I think I said on one of the recent ones that I owed him uh, an article and yeah on another day it probably could have been a bit more in depth but what that West the West Ham game wasn't in- entirely eventful was it and that was what I was thinking I was like there was a period where Gundogan gave a couple of balls away and Bernardo couldn't quite put his foot on it and calm them down and the defence were not so much Cancelo because that's his job but the, and he's a bit more probing but the, the other three defenders were giving the ball away and Guardiola was going mad and I just think nobody's getting their foot on the ball here I was like oh, Rodri's not put a foot wrong I think even the balls he gave away didn't put City in danger like the others did so I was like yeah sounds like a good day to Good day, good day to, to do. do Rodri and focus on the, the good things that he's doing now. Yeah, well, if you want to read that, you can sign up to The Athletic right now and read all of Sam's stuff on City. And if you sign up now, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, just before we get into the meat and drink of this week's show, Sam, I, I mentioned at the start there about how tight it's got at the top. Um, I know this yeah. is a City podcast and not a United or Chelsea one. Uh, but I think I do think it's relevant. How how vital is it? Do you think that that city got over the line against West Ham? Even if it was a like it felt like a struggle at times with the snow and the conditions and the way West Ham were playing. Um, given that you look at, at kind of like the, the form of the last five games, Chelsea eleven points, City twelve points, Liverpool ten points. It's really really tight, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Um, obviously, with that um, the United Chelsea result coming in. It was a huge, a huge favour, really, to see. I suppose you, you could put it like that. Um, but yeah, during the City game, with about, I don't know, maybe it was half an hour to go, but 
because it, it it was drifting, wasn't it? If you excuse the snow pun, <laughs> but I was but I was thinking I didn't tweet it because I was like it ultimately doesn't mean anything. But I was like this game is drifting, and I can't work out if it's drifting towards a one nil City win, a two nil City win, or one all. And like the one all would have been a proper like, you know, it would have been another inquest, wouldn't it? Yeah, punching the guts on like, territory that. Yeah, exa- exactly, and it really would have been. But I mean, there was nothing to suggest that would have happened other than if you don't put your chances away, Carmen's going to go and score at the other end. Yeah. Because because West Ham didn't like they did they didn't really create anything. City did control the game very well in terms of chances, but obviously there were those moments throughout. Really, not those passes I mentioned. You know, like sometimes I think like Walker tried to do a crossfield pass in his own half this time. The ones he pings over to the left wing are always perfect, but this one inside his own half just went neither here nor there, and he went straight to West Ham player. There was that one where. Oh, was it Ben Rama or Antonio got round Laporte and Laporte fouled him right on the edge of the box? Um, there was a couple of times when Diaz gave the ball away in like in midfield, and West Ham would kind of break, and you'd think, and there was certainly periods of the game for about 10, 15 minutes where nobody really controlled it. Yeah, and you think, okay, well, West Ham might get something out of these openings, but they never really did. But the the kind of impending fear was always there that something was going to happen, yeah. but ultimately it didn't. Um, and I mean, yeah. The fact that City got the win, they deserve to get it. Um, you know, on on the back of you know beating PSG, which would have been a, a physically demanding game. You know, to run that much and and be that solid for for the majority against a top team like that, albeit with three forwards, I don't really press. It would have taken a lot out of them. The same, you know, the same midfielders on the pitch. Uh, the the snow. Ironically, City controlled the game better in that last 10 minutes when the I, snow was all over the pitch. I did tweet just after half-time uh, when it looked like the game was a little bit out of City's control. Can we get the snow back? Because uh, it just, it just yeah. felt like City were better in the snow, yeah. Which was weird because early in the game when there was like a bit of snow on the pitch, the ball wasn't travelling that well and it seemed a bit bobbly and City seemed a bit off their rhythm with it. But when they, when it really came down, I think they, they just got used to it. But yeah, um, it was one of those games where with all that, being said and the fact that they deserve to win like yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't think twice about it normally you just think oh yeah fine good win deserve to like 2-1 makes it look close but it wasn't um 2-0 would have been fine 3-0 would have been fine really given the chances um but then can you imagine city hadn't have won and then Chelsea drew with united it would just be a fucking like that it wouldn't be the case because there's plenty of the season to go but you'd start thinking look if we can't capitalize when Chelsea dropping points. Yeah. When um, are we going to capitalise yeah. kind of thing? Uh, that would be what fans were, were thinking, I'd imagine. So, um, yeah, it was it was really important to, to get that done. And that's just how the that's just how the game was, really. It was it was a, a bit of a strange one because yeah. there were periods, weren't there, where it wasn't like West Ham had pressure. It was just like nothing was happening. Like people would just keep losing the ball. Like City would just give it away easily and West Ham would have it but not be able to do much with it. And, and then suddenly like, it's yeah, suddenly it's back in Edison's. Yeah, but it wasn't really go, end to right, end. Yeah. It was just like it was just like going out for throw ins all the time and stuff. Yeah. It was it was it wasn't a classic city game in terms of you know that City are gonna have the ball even if they're doing nothing with it. It was a bit of a weird one. But yeah. they they do happen and, and West Ham look I looked at the table last night. Only four teams in the Premier League have got a positive goal difference. And it's mad. a top four and obviously West yeah. Ham's one of them. Mad, it's mad. So yeah. West Ham are obviously good and do you fancy yeah, a do you fancy three horse race right until the end this season? Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. I, I always have done, to be honest. Um, yeah, Chelsea. I've, I've always thought Liverpool were City's biggest rivals, and to be fair, I mean you you probably can't really split the two of them. They're they're both huge rivals, and that's probably it. Full stop. But the way that Chelsea 
just don't really lose. Like Liverpool are the same as City, really. Like I was listening to the game on at the weekend on on the radio, and they were talking about how good Liverpool are, and I was like, "Well, they are, aren't they?" But like two weeks ago, they lost to West Ham, and it's the same about when we talk about how good City are, and they are. But you know, they'll drop points again soon, and I'm sure Liverpool will as well. And you just think Chelsea—they're not as sparklingly brilliant, but they're just as capable of winning football matches, and probably less likely to to lose them. Could be, so the, draw, could is, be the draws though for Chelsea, couldn't they? That's the, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. I, I think them. I mean, there's no, there's nothing really to suggest this because they've been really good and they're still top. But um, I do think there'll be a, a period coming where it's maybe three or four games, and all of a sudden they they find themselves a few points behind. I don't know. I don't really know what that's based on, but I just yeah. feel like I get it. It's I get probably it. just the fact that everybody said all season, "Oh, the Chelsea aren't dropping points," and I'm just like, "Well, it, it is going to come." And for some reason, I just see it coming in a cluster. But maybe it'll just be the odd one here and there instead. But we'll see. But it will be a. I don't think it'll be as stressful a title race this time. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, the thing about 2018-19, obviously, look, City had done a hell of a lot of good work and didn't want to lose it at that point. But I just think the idea of losing it, especially as it got towards the end of the season, and dropping two points and then Liverpool winning the title with like two or three games to go or on the last day, for it to be their first title as well, would have just been awful. And like... I think it would make it worse. Whereas, obviously, now City fans don't want Liverpool to win the league. But the fact that they've they've already won it, we know they're title contenders now. And if they were to win it, it would be no shock. I just feel like City needed to keep them at bay and stop them from winning it for the first time in 30 years. And that added, added yeah. extra stress. The, sto- the story is like, well, different. If yeah. yeah, if Liverpool win it now, you go, okay, well, yeah, okay, fine. Like They're used to it, you know. Okay, that's, that's it. Um, it'll be less stressful. But, I mean, to be fair, having said that, if we get to... April and there's one point in it and every week you know Liverpool get the result Chelsea get the result and then City have got to go and play Burnley away or whatever it is you remember when the Aguero goal yeah. that squeaked over the line last time that kind of thing Nightmare. and this guy oh god it's stressful it, yeah it'll be the same thing won't it yeah well let's get into uh, the rest of the show Sam because we've got plenty of messages uh, about City going with natural or inverted wingers uh, and I don't want to continually rake over old ground but it is interesting the way City have set up this week against PSG and then West Ham um, we talked briefly on previous shows about the term false wingers uh, I think that was I think I think you coined that phrase um, just yeah. tell us what I mean you, it te- might be bollocks but I did uh, yeah tell us what you mean um well, basically, so the idea of a false nine, which everyone kind of understands now, everyone knows what a false nine is, and certainly at City we understand that it's basically the go-to approach. Um, but it's basically to to do the stuff that a number nine doesn't normally do. You think a number nine is going to be in the box, waiting for the ball, you know, scoring in the penalty box, getting headers, that kind of thing. But obviously it, it's doing the opposite. It's dropping deep, coming far outside the box, creating spaces, dragging people out of position, to create spaces for somebody else. So if you think about how they used the false nine at Barca, um, obviously Messi would do plenty. But if you think of David Villa on the left and Pedro on the right, you've got the false nine dragging everyone kind of towards the ball. And then spaces open up at, cent- at centre-back and Villa and Pedro run into it and then they can finish on their, well, they're actually right-footed and left-footed, weren't they? But yeah. they they could come in and they certainly finished enough. They got enough goals running into those spaces. And obviously, like there's the other things as well. Like it creates superiority in midfield. And I think they first did it against Real Madrid because they thought, well, if Messi drops into these spaces, then the Madrid midfielders are going to be outnumbered, and obviously, it's going to drag the centre backs out of play as well. So yeah, basically, it's it's creating space for others to do work in, and that's one of the the fundamental roles of it and the functions of it. 
Um, and you think, okay, well, what was the what was the approach for the Manchester derby? We talked for uh, feels like ages about Foden and Jesus just staying wide and Foden not running at Wambasaka once really, just getting the ball and, and passing it again and keeping it moving. But he was he was pinning them back like really really wide and and then you think, well, who was benefited from that? Cancelo yeah. and we did an article on the Athletic last week with Rennie Marich. Um, oh, which German club is he at? But anyway, he's like a he's one of these like tactical genius guys that you know he's a proper coach. You know, I always say if Guardiola sat down and explained his decisions, there's like nobody on earth could argue. Like Rennie Marich is one of those people. I'm sure like Guardiola or Tuchel could say, actually, what about this? What about that? But he's like like he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, kind of thing. Yeah. And they were talking about the importance of the half spaces, and they were talking about how City, I think it was City, utilized the half spaces more than any other team. And you think, well, that's no coincidence, is it? Like, how do you create those half spaces? You need the wingers to be wide. Um. So basically, if they're creating space for Cancelo to do to do work in or others, as we may hear in the next couple of minutes. Then I don't know. I, I think I think the, the term false winger could also be applied. Yeah. I originally started thinking about it with Grealish, and I, this may, this may be an element of it that's wrong. Maybe Grealish isn't taking people on and, and completing dribbles and scoring goals because he hasn't fully adapted yet. Um, but I was thinking, you know, Guard, we know Guardiola likes the false nine as well because it's basically an extra midfielder, and the way it's been used this season, Foden. Um, Gundogan has been Bernardo it was Mares for a bit yesterday but it didn't really last um, De Bruyne obviously it's been a way to have an extra midfielder in the team and give them that more solidity the extra pass and it costs them a bit of cutting edge but it gives them more control and then you think Grealish on the wing is effectively another midfielder you yeah. know he's not taking people on he's not risking losing the ball as often as maybe Sane did and Mares did a couple of years ago because they were asked to be a bit more disruptive as wingers and I was thinking well maybe Grealish is another midfielder so now they've got like five or six and Jesus his function isn't really not to lose the ball but in terms of defensive work rate and like keeping width that's what he's doing so so yeah I mean I think there are various different ways that City's wingers are doing things that wingers don't normally do and I still plan to write about it. And yeah, I did say the other week when I first mentioned it, I'd ask Guardiola and he'd say it was bollocks and that'd be it. Um, and he, so I did ask him last Friday and he kind of, I can't remember. He, well, kind of said I, not, I can have... he kind of said not really, didn't he? But yeah. the way he discussed it was, obviously there's so much more to it, you know, and every time I think, oh, what about this? And I, I've spotted one dimension, you know, he knows the other 55 dimensions that are irrelevant but um yeah well let's so let's we'll, have a we'll listen, listen to, to his answers yeah um because this is your chat with guardiola from the pre-match press conference on friday um uh your initial question was uh something on the lines of city are, are better at controlling games uh with a striker or without a striker basically um this is it was kind of the way into the discussion uh this is how pep responded no we can play good with the striker as well so, but imagine one player you win a striker for example sergio doesn't matter gabriel and in the one action, for example, drop a little bit to take the ball. We are playing without a striker in that moment. So the striker movement, you know, and sometimes we need to drop a striker for the movement the opponents defend. But the lady, for example, against Everton, like Cole Palmer played like a full striker. And in that moment, we realized during the first half, we don't need a full striker. We need movement more in behind and we solve it in the half time. So, but every player can play with Bernardo, play a striker and play more up. It's a striker, you know, because it's a sense. Of course, it's a typical, like, you know, tall. And we don't have, not even with Sergio, it's not tall for the header. 
but in the same time we are a team like we have to play in the certain rhythm and and with certain rhythm sometimes we need some players in a position that help us to play in this rhythm but some games we need more guys go go in there in the box and uh, and Gabriel Lugo happened Gabriel you know that in the cross was there the cross from Riyadh was Bernardo was uh, Gabriel and was rushed there to score a goal and sometimes they are there more often sometimes arrive in the right moment it depends on the quality of the players but we cannot deny that playing with a, a, a player type like Bernardo or Cole or uh, typical players midfield players that we feel comfortable we feel comfortable we cannot deny is it similar with the wingers as well because maybe a couple of years ago there was Sane and obviously Mares played an awful lot towards the end of last season but not so much in the Premier League now in certain games do you need the wingers to be perhaps more like extra midfielders? So Grealish perhaps is like another midfielder, as well as the number nine could be Cole Palmer. That's another midfielder. Do some games they give you more control and less, less dribbles, uh, less decisive actions? Is that well, similar? I would say for our period here, five, six seasons here, we can negotiate many things, but the fact for the wingers, wingers, I don't negotiate much. So normally the people attack with the fullbacks white, we attack with the wingers white. So I like that. I don't know why. Don't tell me why. I love it when the winger had the ball, it just with the fullbacks and tried to dribble and arrive to the byline. I like it. Since uh, I was a teenager, football player, I like it. So I think for the fact Jack in, 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 West, in Aston Villa, maybe we have more, a little bit more freedom, but play wider. And I think the quality for Riyadh, for Raj, for even Cole, Gabriel likes to play that. I think it's perfect for them. So like Leroy before when he was with us, uh, with Jesus Navas was with us. Uh, I think we like we like to play with, with the players playing that position. That is, we say with the false nine striker or attacking midfielders or fullbacks wide. And I, the wingers I like to play. They're in that positions. I like it. So in terms of the positions, but they're still doing the same thing. They're still dribbling at people trying to create chances because sometimes it seems they're trying to create space for for Cancelo to, to do yeah. that instead yeah. so sometimes it's different sometimes it's it's like it always was yeah but sometimes Kyle look Kyle the first goal against PSG it was a winger isn't it so an attack there is you no know, fullbacks inside no sometimes inside sometimes outside it depends on the demanding so I'm not there in a command like say go right go left so they decide and they have a pattern, but from there, they have to play. And, and I, love, I love when they take decisions, but they feel it and they smell it, they can dangerous. And we scored a goal because the pass from Joao was inside in that action. Rice was white, the Riyadh was more inside, and Kyle attacked from behind, uh, more wider, and we scored a goal. So I'm not a guy you all the time you have to be here. No, they play. You don't play, I don't play. They play. And they take the decisions the best. And it depends of what the situation. Absolutely fascinated by that at the end, Sam, as well, given that the, the number of times that we, we talk about how much control Guardiola wants, and yet he's he's insisting there is an element of free will in there. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there there, there is. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's like the whole free will debate uh, across the globe, isn't it? Like, forget football, and I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this justice. <laughs> but it's like, I can say of course there's free will, I can go and do what I want, you know, and people are like, well, well, there's the structures of society, you know, you can't go and do what you want because there's laws, there's, you know, you wake you wake up in the morning, you go to work, 
you watch the TV in the evening and you go to bed. Like, what, what's free will about that? You know, yeah. you just, you're just doing what you're conditioned to believe in all this kind of it's thing. The system, and it's like, yeah. I think, yeah, there, I mean, there is, there, there are, there obviously is freedom within that system. However, um, like I was watching, like maybe this is completely different and this is, it's maybe it's just a bit of a tangent, but Vinicius Junior's um, winner for Real Madrid last night, cutting off the left and just banged it in the top corner. And you just think, no, no city wing is doing that. But then it's like, but they they are in the position to do it. It was a switch to the left, and you know, if they had space, maybe they would. But anyway, in terms of the the freedom, it's like, yeah, they have. But you know how he mentioned Walker's going outside. It was, I think, it was broken down on BT Sport after the game, and they they noted how as soon as Rodri got the ball from the left, you can imagine Rodri in kind of a bit more towards the right, but in yeah. his mid- middle position. Got the ball from the left and opened his body up. As soon as he did that, Walker ran in behind. And Gar- was it Gary Neville? No, Jay Humphrey hosted him. He asked, do you think that's um, coached or do you think it's kind of um, off the cuff? Or was, well, whatever it was, I can't remember. But, but the answer was, it, it's both. And it is because I remember when I wrote about, um, what did I do for the Norwich game at the start of the season? I think it was Jesus as a right winger. And it was about how they created spaces. But it was basically as soon as Rodri got the ball, I think, or maybe it was Walker in this case, Jesus ran in behind and then they played the ball to him. Yeah. And it's like those patterns are taught. So like Walker will know, oh, Rodri's got the ball and now he's opened his body up, he's coming my way. The defender's stepping up. The PSG defender's stepping up. I'm going in behind. Now, we know that that's coached. So, okay, Walker might have thought, okay, I'm going now. I'm going to go and attack and overlap, which I never normally do. It's in the same structures that Guardiola's been teaching for years. We know that the whole, normally it's on the left, but the whole Man City trademark goal that we speak about, you know, when, you know, Silva would play in Sane in behind and he'd cross it and Sterling would tap it in. Yeah. When he, when Silva played Sane in behind, it was because Silva got the ball into feet. The defence shuffled up two yards. Sane ran in behind because he knew it was coming. And then he was, he was in a, a mile of space because the defence was going one way and Sane went the other. And obviously Sterling knew as well, so he ran in behind. So it's all the same movements. So, I mean, I'm not just disagreeing with Guardiola because he kind of disagreed with me. But his, <laughs> his, his idea of, you know, they've got, they've got this freedom on the pitch. I mean, of course they have. You know, when they get to the box, it's a bit like on reset. You know, Guardiola's job is the first two thirds of the pitch. And then when you're in the final third, you know... It's up to you to get that freedom. I don't know. I think that it's not so much the final third now. It's almost like the six-yard box. They're, yeah. They're, you could be free inside he, the six-yard box, he, but he nowhere get, else. He yeah. gets them that far. Like, he gets them that far. But obviously, when you're in the six-yard box, what are you going to do? Like, I couldn't do it yesterday. Just put it in. Um, and yeah, it's like, okay, so Walker did attack, which he doesn't normally do. And like, like Guardiola said, he likes them to play inside, but sometimes they go outside. And like the, the dynamics of that particular game meant that Walker could do that. And in that moment, he knew what to do. It wasn't completely off the cuff because he knew the ball was going to come his way. And as soon as Rodri opened his body up, he goes. And obviously, Jesus knew because he made the run and Bernardo knew because he made the run and Sterling knew because he made the run. It's all, yeah, like, I don't, there isn't much free will. Um, but it, it gives you that, um, it gives you that structure to thrive in and that's how yeah. a goal like that is scored. Like, it, it's a good example of how things happen in a City team that don't normally. And it's a good example of, like I say, I could spot one element of it, but there's a million others. Um, but it's all it's all within the structures. That would yeah. be what I'd say about that. Hey, this is Andrew Schlecht from The Athletic. 
The NBA Finals begins on June 6th, and we have you covered at the Athletic NBA Show. Join us Monday through Friday to hear voices like Zach Harper, David Aldridge, Marcus Thompson, Dave DeFore, Sam Amick, and many more. We will have instant reaction shows after every Finals game, plus podcasts to take you behind the scenes in between games. Listen to the Athletic NBA Show wherever you get your podcasts. This all came from the fact that, again, we get a lot of questions for the show about, you know, it, it, it generally centers around Sterling on the left or the right, but it is effectively yeah. wide wingers or inverted wingers. Um, and it has changed because you mentioned in your questions to uh, Guardiola there, Sane and wide wingers and, and City, like, like City don't break with that sort of pace anymore. And it's not like it's no yeah. longer possible, I guess, with the players that are here at the, and available at the moment because Foden's injured. So you're not going to have that sort of wide presence on the left, unless you stick maybe Bernardo out there and, you know, Mares is not suited to that either on, on the left-hand side. So it can be a little frustrating to watch. And I guess that was that's kind of where the West Ham game comes in because I you could sense a little bit of frustration in the stands at how City weren't kind of creating chance after chance like maybe the, 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 the Centurion 17-18 team did at, at, at that sort of pace. Um, but still... It's it's been effective. You look at uh, how they've controlled the game against West Ham. You look at how they controlled the game against PSG. It, as frustrating as it can be to watch, there's there's a little comfort in the fact that you know City are generally in control of everything. Yeah, I, have you got the Moyes clip? Yeah, but, I mean, let's play that, shall we? It's uh, this was yeah. um, this was David Moyes after the game uh, when he was asked uh, first off why uh, um, he played Arthur Masawaku instead of Jared Bowen uh, and how he was trying to defend against City. So this is what he said: They overload both sides, whether they're crossing or whether they're def- uh, you know whether it's they're taking you on or whether they're crossing to the far side. They're very very good at it, and I think they're I think they're probably number one in the Premier League for that. So it's trying to make sure that we we give ourselves the best chance of defending the balls in the box, and also trying to stop them getting in the box. And I got, I, th- I actually think that we've done a really good job on it today in stopping it. So that was the thought behind Arthur, and also I think that uh, Sterling and Mares playing really high and wide. I think Man City have changed a little bit. I think they altered it slightly last year, but I think they've been back to it now. It's it's more the positions where Gundogan. And uh, Bernardo Silva cause you problems, and they're about you know, nothing would please me more to wrestle more possession off them. But you know, there's a lot of a lot of top talent, and it's taken a long time to build a team like that. Uh, so that was uh, David Moyes after the game on Sunday, and it kind of I guess it all kind of plays into how City tactically set up as well, as well Sam. Yeah. Um, so. My AirPods had run out of battery and I didn't take a charge with me to the Etihad, so I couldn't listen to the <laughs> podcast through my, my own AirPods. But um, I, I had the the laptop sound on. And then when Moyes came in, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get on with my article now. But Roshane, our West Ham guy, was sat next to me. And he had it on his. He had the, I don't think he had headphones either. Um, how professional we are at The Athletic. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, Moyes saying this, blah, blah, blah. And then I heard him say, because I think, you know, I guess I think the wingers, you know, they they change, but they've gone back to it now. And Sterling and Myra's are really high and wide. I was like, what? And I was listening in. I'll probably lean in towards it. And he was like, it's more now that Gundogan and Bernardo cause you problems. And I was like, that's that was that is brilliant. And look, nobody's going to say that like, if 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 Guardiola says no, that's not the case. Then nobody is going to be able to <laughs> kind of prove otherwise. And this is an unfair thing to say because again, Moyes is another person who knows more about football than I'll ever know. But your average football fan. 
would think that Moyes knows, you know, nothing. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah, yeah. They, they would say Moyes to Guardiola is just like, you know, caveman to fucking the year 3055 future genius. Do you know what I mean? Which is completely unfair. So, But Moyes would, Moyes would know these things and setting up his team um, and, and noticing that the wingers sometimes are there for, you know, for, to give Creating the team space, depth and yeah. width and half spaces and stuff for the central midfielders to get into the box and do things. And obviously now Bernardo's crept into the conversation. You know, I, I was like, that's that's brilliant. And because after Pep Santos to me the other day, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this now because it was a good little discussion. And a couple of people have said on like the Q&A and in DMs and stuff that they enjoyed it. But I was like, fundamentally... I think we're both answers. To be fair, I think we're both answers. He kind of started off saying no, and by the end he came around to a bit of, there was a bit of yes, wasn't there, in both, with the false nine thing and the wingers thing. It's always frustratingly um, nuanced with him, isn't it? That's the problem. But the thing is, uh, to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm worse for that on the <laughs> Q&A. Somebody asked me a question, and I reckon 70, 75% of the time I'm, gonna say, I'm saying no, it's something else. And I don't even come around at the end and be like, oh yeah, but maybe. It's just like <laughs> pure no. So like, if he gets, if he does it, to me, then I can't really complain. And also, I can't complain because, as we've said, he knows a million times more about football than I do. So, fine. But, yeah, so there was a, there was a, there was a bit of, yeah, but I thought, I don't really know where to go with this. But then Moyes kind of blew the whole case wide open again by saying that. And that's why we're talking about it again today. I'm going to write about it this week. I mean, you probably all heard the content now. But we've got um, we've got our new data guy because Tom Warville left to work for RB Leipzig, which is a hell of a gig. Um, To go from, like, the media to actually go and work in a, a football For a club, club and not yeah. in the pre- not in like the press department, but actual like this impacts how they play on the pitch kind of thing is huge. So like fair play to him. But we've got a guy in um an American guy, and I was speaking to my editor about it this morning. He was like, You should speak to him, because obviously I've been off. He was like, he he's basically just got like a doctorate in Pep's tactics. I think that may have been a bit of hyperbole, but like he's just like a massive like Guardiola nut. And like he loves all this kind of thing, so I mean, I'm going to speak to this guy, and hopefully, we'll get a really good article on that, and one in the future on false nines and Christ, anything else he's noticed yeah. was going to do it because I think it'll be really interesting. So yeah, we're, I'm going to do an article on it, and I, I do think now, in terms of the, because it, it only kind of dawned on me when I was having this conversation with Pep, so that was my third question then about creating space. I was like, it is, it is more about the space rather than the not. Um, rather than not dribbling and more yeah. dropping into midfield of control which I do think is part of it but it, it is more about space isn't it it's definitely more about like that is one of the functions of a false nine and perhaps a false winger so yeah um, let, let's see if false winger starts creeping into the football parlance shall we after, after I do this article spoiler love, alert it, I, it won't I, I love the idea of, of you you know like 40 years time imagine creating a thing imagine yeah, creating yeah, fl- a thing like flicking through the, the, the English dictionary and getting false winger in it that you being the first uh, the first citation of it that would be that would be absolutely class I know it's, I'm going to have to nail the definition like yeah. so the thing is it's like it's like giving a name to something that exists and you know what the thing is the, may, maybe there's like a million people listening to this or like I'll speak I'll speak to our new data guy and he's just like oh yeah that's just called a fuck you know whatever do you know what I mean it's like oh have I not known that yeah but, um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's the thing. It's it's basically it's just a handy name to describe what's happening on the pitch, and so you know that's how. Hey, if it does the job, inverted wingers and false yeah. nines are invented. It's, yeah, it's the same thing. So yeah, yeah. let's see. Uh, so let's let's briefly. In fact, let's never publish this podcast in case somebody steals my idea. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's not how we're, it works. That's not how it we're works. A date, afraid, we're putting a date stamp on this. Yeah, yeah but somebody else could popularize it. We've all seen enough movies to know that <laughs> ideas get stolen. I'm sure you it happens to, in real life, yeah, but movies is my reference. You have to write it down and send it to yourself in the post. Then you can prove that. Uh, leave it unopened. Then you can prove that it's. Uh, Do you remember the Liverpool yeah. game last season? The one. No, what was this? We've got off on a tangent, but what's this? 
Yeah, but I no, you will remember because I tweeted during the game. I was like, "There's one city player who's having a really good game here, but I'm going to put it in this envelope." And it was like an emoji envelope. <laughs> yes. I'm not say until the end of the game because and you're going to you accuse was, me yeah. of. Yeah, you. I was like, people are going to accuse me of like jinxing it if it goes wrong. And it was Cancelo, I think it was, because he he had a defensively really good game, which to be fair, he did yesterday as well. Um, there was one he there was one cross he hooked away from underneath the bar and I was like you've tracked the winger the whole way there and cleared it away and like I, I I say you know he's not great defensively and he's not you know he's improved and he's very good but there's times when it's like you know, he needs to be better but to be fair that was that was spot on um, so yeah it, and it, it's one of those things isn't it? it's like put it in an envelope seal it and say look on this date I came up with this <laughs> so you can't doubt me it might be bollocks anyway but can we go off on another little false winger tangent well, I was gonna, um, I was gonna get to the roles of Bernardo and, and Gundogan, but yeah, let, let's go with that first. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned. I think the original question was like the frustration of City having things under control, even though you know Sterling may not be doing this and that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if many people feel like that. Um, um, I th- you know, Sterling is divisive in the sense that you know he's not divisive himself, but you know his performances are really because uh, I saw a couple of tweets yesterday saying he was good, and then I went on the Q and A, and there were some that really thought he wasn't good to the extent that it was like, got to get rid of this guy as soon as possible. Um, so I'm not sure if there's that kind of feeling of, okay, yeah, the, the false winger thing helps. Um, but I was speaking to my mate Andy. He messaged me after the PSG game the other day. And, you know, he's he'll be listening to this, I'm sure. And he's very switched on with these things. and He'll, he'll enjoy me saying this. But he, he was watching it with his son. And he was saying, he was like, PSG, they, they were using Herrera to, to drag in um, Cancelo to kind of to a- attract him away even further from his left back spot, and then use Hakimi, who's really really fast, to get up the line and break into those spaces. Um, and between between Andy and his son, they they put together that maybe Sterling was being used on the left because he has got the pace and defensive work rate to, to go up. back to go back with Hakimi and do that. And then he found an example which I don't think I'll be able to use because of copyright, but he found. I think he found an example of where like Herrera got the ball, Cancelo went to try and press him, and Herrera sprang it in behind and Sterling ran back with him. And you're like, again, it's difficult. And I, I apply this to obviously what I'm saying about tactics as well. It's difficult to say for sure what the manager's thinking because maybe that just happened. But, you know, with Guardioli, you probably got to give the benefit of the doubt of he's that clever, he would get that. And I thought if that's one of the reasons for, you know, Sterling playing false, uh, playing. As a false, no, false no, winger, say false winger. No, no, no. Because um, it, it wouldn't be in this case, really, if he was if he was inverted. But then yesterday he was on his weak side, but he was wide, so pick the bones out of that. But no, <laughs> if that's one of the reasons for Sterling playing as an inverted winger, again, it's that thing of we could all hate it, but if Guardiola sits down and says, "I'm, I'm actually doing it because of this," you'd be like, well, "I can't all argue right. with that." Yeah. Like, I can't, fair, I can't fair, argue like, with yeah. that. that. That's genius. So I just thought I'd mention that because. I thought that was really clever, and I said I messaged him, and I was like, "That's a hell of a spot." Like, I would, I would never have, I would never have spotted that. Um, I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm planning to do some coaching badges next year as well, which is like the absolute basic ones. But hopefully, eventually, I'll get to the, the level where I'll be able to, to come on here at the age of 57 and 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 tell you, that's not how. Well, maybe that is how old Andy is, um, and and tell you um, that that's what's happening. But we'll get yeah. there eventually one day. Until then, I'll just tell you things that I've had in conversations or seen on Twitter. Can can you play as a false winger if you are inverted? Yeah, well, yeah, because the <laughs> thing is... If sorry, sorry, that, I'm, just, I'm purposefully derailing it there. I don't, yeah, no, yeah, I know, but, but I know, but I, that I, would have, I would have been properly stumped by that. But obviously Moyes has really helped there because he said about how Sterling and, and Maris played really wide 
and created the space inside. So, and I remember last season, actually, I think I asked Pep a similar question just about like, what do you like about inverted wingers? And he was like, yeah, but you can play wide and, and be a right footer on the left. You know, you can still hold that position. And basically ever since he said that, I've been making that point as well. Um, just as a kind of, it, it is possible kind of thing, but maybe I wouldn't have spotted it myself or not, not so quickly anyway. So yeah, in answer to your question, yes, you can be. Yeah. But yeah, when I come to writing it, if I, if I if I want this false winger to, thing to take off, there can be none of the kind of, I don't really get what he's on about, which might cre- creep into some of my articles. It's going to have to be crystal clear. So thank God for David Moyes explaining that one. I'll just, I'll just refer you to, to the top four yeah. manager that is David Moyes, yeah. I uh, I look forward to your book in about fifteen years time, Sam. How how false wingers changed the game, uh, written by Sam Lee. There we go. Um, yeah. Can I just be just before we do move on from the false wingers? Um, yeah. Obviously, Bun, uh, Bernardo and Gundogan. Bernardo's been getting the plaudits this season. Gundogan uh, got the plaudits for the, the the West Ham game. He, he they they both benefit, I guess, from from the space that's created, don't they? And that's that that could be a big factor in in why Bernardo's had such a good season, why Gundogan had such a good year last year, and you know, is maybe yeah, growing sure. growing into this season as well. Yeah, well, I th- uh, again, this this is more of a theory. I've not really. Well, I'm not really joining the dots on this one quite so much, but and maybe the, the thing is with Gundogan, you know, he had a couple of chances in the derby, or maybe just one that he he missed, and you think, or maybe all the differences between this season and last is he's not taking his chances. But it seemed to me the last season that Gundogan was um, arriving into the spaces that a kind of false nine would vacate, and he was the one running off the shoulder. So if you remember that goal against Spurs where he turned. Who's the guy, who's the lad they signed? The Colombian, they Sanchez, Davinson Sanchez, yeah. signed for my ex. He turned him inside out and, and slotted it past Loris. You know, he was running off the shoulder. So he was liberated from his kind of he was a double pivot. He was in the double pivot, wasn't he, earlier in that season? He was liberated from that. He was running off the shoulder and getting into the box and he was doing those kind of things. Whereas now maybe if he's if he's getting into the spaces more created, if he's getting into those half spaces, um, then it, it's, there's a little bit less of making those direct runs into the box and getting on the end of thing. Maybe like that's just a theory I'm working on as we speak. Um, but then obviously you've got Cancelo in those kind of inside spaces as well. So he's obviously pushed up and it's one of those things, another article I'm thinking of. And part of the reason I asked Guardiola about the false nine thing is another, another article is going to be, you know, what does a false nine actually have to do for city? What are they actually doing? But when I was watching it yesterday, especially when it was Mares, I was like, well, and it, it was the same against PSG. I'm sure people will probably be able to tell me, it, you know, it was the same in other games. But it's not just like they've got one. And I know this has happened before. I remember at Old Trafford in the League Cup semi-final. You know when City were like 3-0 up at half-time yeah. a couple of years ago? And I remember doing an article. I was like, was that four false nines? And there was, there was obviously that um, peep show meme of like four false, <laughs> false nines, Jeremy. That's insane. <laughs> um, so obviously they they kind of alternate. But Watching yesterday and against PSG, it was like, well, if Mahrez has dropped off that line to join in the kind of in the spaces behind the midfield, you know, between the the midfield and defence, I was like, well, that's where that's where Gundogan and and Bernardo are as well. And obviously, the other night when Zinchenko was in there and kind of Gundogan was doing false nine stuff, I was like, well, sometimes Gundogan's there and Bernardo's there and Zinchenko's there. It's like, is is that just? I mean. Because obviously Guardiola mentioned the differences there about how you know sometimes you play with Jesus and it's a false nine, which is one of the annoying things about asking a question to Guardiola because you can give it all the kind of talk in the world and say this, that, and what about this and what about that. But you can't go on forever. And I, I didn't know everything he said. So the thing he said about Cole Palmer 
about how they noticed during the Everton game they didn't need him to be a false nine. They needed him to make runs in behind and they changed that. I, I would never have noticed that in a million yeah, years. Yeah. But like when he was saying about, you know, when you play with Jesus or Stu- or even Sergio Aguero and he drops off, that's playing without a false nine. Now, I know, I know that. But it's like you can't, you can't tell him in the in the question. Like, no, I, I know, know some that. of this yeah. stuff. You don't have to explain it to me like oh, I'm an idiot. I do, I do kind of get that. But it, it is, yeah. To bring it back to the point of um, what they're doing at the moment, it's like, is that just one false nine, or is like, is it now completely different? Because like I've heard questions on Sky Sports News, they've been like, oh, we've seen Sterling uses a false nine, we've seen Ferran Torres. It's like, no, they're, they're not false nines, though, are they? And like we know that because Guardiola's spoken about when they play as a nine, he wants them to make those movements inside the box and he doesn't want them to drop off. Yeah. So they're not false nines. They are just number nines, but they're just not people we would expect. So there is that distinction that some people miss. And now I'm wondering, is there a distinction that we're all missing? And the false nine has kind of evolved slightly. And this is what I will speak to our new data guy, John, and just be like, is this something else now? Because it seems like there's three of them. And it's, it seems like they all rotate. And it's like sometimes against PSG, because I watched the game back. So I was like, what was going on there? I was like, sometimes Gundogan's over that side, sometimes it's in this side. We know they rotate, but it's like really trying to pin down what's happening to like, trying to put in an article or discuss or just to explain what's happening. It's like, what what is going on there? Like, is it even one false nine or are they all just taking it in turns? And that's something I really want to nail down as well. So yeah. we, we will get to that at some point. And I, I, I mean, I can't remember how we got to this tangent, but... I think that I do think this is all really interesting stuff, and it, the, what they're doing is it might, it might not even just be a one false nine now. And the fact that I even asked him the other day, he might have just been thinking, "Well, I'll, I'll humour you and talk about false <laughs> nine, but we're not we're not really doing that at the minute. Yeah, we're doing we've something done, completely we've, different. Yeah, we've not done that for a while. Yeah, I want to finish this week, Sam. Um, with uh, we're going to take a little bit of a handbrake turn now and uh, and discuss the Ferran Torres story because we learned this week oh, that yeah, um, Barcelona are interested in Ferran Torres. Uh, he's not. Are they going to afford him? Are they going to afford him? Have I got the story right here? He's not desperate to leave, but he's flattered by the interest and open to it. Is that about right? Uh, well, oh, yeah, that's how it was put to me. And you're always kind of wary with these things, where it's like it's the soft version, isn't it, with these things sometimes? Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, he'd still be happy to stay at City. Like, because obviously you don't want to burn your bridges, do you? You don't, you don't want it to come out. You know, if you're telling somebody this info and you know it's <laughs> going to come out in the press, you don't want it to look like Ferran Torres desperate to leave. Because look, at the end of the day, the guy telling me this and fucking Ferran Torres himself knows that, you know, Barca haven't got much money and it's far from certain that it's going to happen. But, you know, it could, you know, if, if you know, Barca's plans work out and all this, I, you know, we'll go into this other element of transfer stories in a bit. I'm sceptical as well. But look, this is the situation that they're, they're working with at the minute at the clubs yeah. and, you know, with Torres. Um, so, I mean, like, it may not happen. So, obviously, you don't, want, you don't want it to come out that this guy was desperate to go and now, oh, look, he's got to stay at City. But also, there is the element of it's a pretty good gig. Like, he knows he's got a good gig. Um, so... Me taking the piss at the start there, saying, oh, they've got their money, this, that, and the other. It's like, well, look, I know this, but what I don't need and what is not really relevant, well, to be fair, it might be relevant, but what I don't, okay, fine, what I don't need, when you do a story like that, is a million people going, oh, it's not going to happen, I've got no money. And it's like, yes, I appreciate that as well. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a fucking idiot. Also, I'm not how, a fucking how, idiot. How have you missed I that know Ferran Torres is injured. <laughs> yeah, I know Ferran Torres is injured. He's, the reason he thinks he might get more game time at Barca than at City is not because he's fucking injured. Like, honestly. <laughs> like, I know this. Like, fine. Like, some people might just think... Oh, in fact, no, not fine. Like, 
I don't think I'm the best journalist in the world by any fucking stretch. But have I not earned a bit of trust from the City fan? Look, there's going to be City fans out there who think I'm a dick. So they just think, okay, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So this is another one. Fine. They can think that. But like the people who know what I do and how I work and listen to this podcast not think, oh, yeah, maybe maybe Torres doesn't think he needs more game time because he's fucking injured. Like, it was just like maddening and it's like it's the same thing i've said on this podcast loads of times the best example was the end of last season when i was sat around a table and being told about how four five six city players wanted to leave because they didn't like guardiola and i was like what are you talking about like how can they play such good football anyway like even if you did dislike him where the hell are you going to go like they're playing such good they're, they're playing really good football they're winning trophies this was before the champions league final so it's like they could win the champions league final next week like what is like, what are you on about? Like, how is this the case? I'm asking these questions as well. So when I get the call on Friday night and it's, oh yeah, this is a situation. I'm like, yeah, but like, boss, I haven't got any money. Yeah. And I was like, and I actually said, I was like, I can easily imagine a situation. Let's say February, the move doesn't happen. City don't sign a striker in January. Torres is number nine again, and everything's happy. He was like, yeah, maybe. Like, and like, and and again, people are putting things to me that are in the article I wrote. I mean, to be fair, I think I think now that there's a little Q&A section under news stories on The Athletic and the Q&A bits are behind the paywall, but the news bit is... Is not. Um, is it's, not, yeah. basically. That's that's free for anyone to read. But I did I, I did put as much kind of... Because when you write it as news, you can't be like, oh, by the way, this is never going to fucking happen. You know, it's got to be like, well, Barcelona haven't got any money, but, you know, they're, they're planning to sell players. Like, what else can you say? Like, they are planning to sell players. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe it won't happen, but it's not really for me to say. And the thing is, I also get it because I remember in the summer, and I remember thinking. So I'd done the story, obviously, that some city players were unhappy, and they wanted to go because it was also Bernardo to Barcelona, wasn't it? Not last, yeah, exactly. And it was at that point. And again, I say this every time, but I thank my lucky stars that during the summer, Guardiola said, "Oh yeah, Bernardo, yeah, he wants to go." And three, four, five others do. So thank Christ, because that's on the record now. Otherwise, I think people would still be saying there's no way that's true because nobody went and they're all playing really well. And I wouldn't be able to really say, well, I would, because I'd be like, well, it is true, but I know what you mean. So I'm really grateful he said that. Um, well, I made it sound like he was doing me a favour there. I mean, he didn't know he was, <laughs> but he was. Um, so I'm really grateful that happened. But um, yeah, early on in the summer, before he'd said that, and when it was only, when, when I'd said a few players wanted to go, but to be fair, other other newspapers I'd said about Bernardo and this kind of thing as well. Um, for City fans, very difficult to believe. There was every couple of days, oh, Barca want this guy, and Barca want this guy. And I was like, these links are fucking killing me. They're really killing me here because they're making my story look shit. Because if the only people interested are Barca, who everyone knows has got no money, like it, it just does, it looks stupid. And yeah. it was, so I think in this little Q&A bit, which maybe not everybody saw, but I'm guessing if you listen to this, you probably probably subscribe and you may have seen it. But I was like, City, I wanted to put City fans, but I was like, I'm just going to put City. Um, I was like, City could take this with a, with a pinch of salt because in the summer, Barca were linked with, and it was Laporte, not seriously. But well, again, it doesn't need to be seriously, does it? So Laporte, Gundogan, do you remember Gundogan was one yeah, of them? Yeah. Cancelo as well, and Bernardo, and there might, there might have been somebody else. And I looked through the squad because I was trying to remember. And I looked through the squad trying to jog my memory. So Barca were linked with all these players. So I get it. And obviously Sterling recently. Um, so I get why people are thinking, oh, this is just another Barca link and it's stupid. But when people are like, oh, it's Barca PR. But when did I, when did I ever report on Barca's interest in any of these players? And to be fair, the Sterling one I was off. But I do think, I do think the Sterling one is legit. But 
I don't know what Sterling wants to do about it. And also, that's probably not going to happen. But ultimately, if I was to find out that Sterling wanted to move to Barca in January, that would be a story. And with this yeah. one, yeah. okay, maybe it's magic beans, but Ferran Torres wants to go to Barca. Like, so what what can I do with that? Like, yeah. okay, maybe it doesn't happen. But I made I made this point to Asa and I was like, because it, it, it opens up an interesting debate. And I, I get the side of the argument where people are like, well, they've got no money, so it's irrelevant. And it's like, there's been a few people I've wanted to reply to, but I've thought, I'm not going to, because basically it's a waste of time, but not because they're talking rubbish, but because it's just it's just two different viewpoints. And the, the point of being irrelevant, I get, because maybe ultimately he doesn't go, and that's all you need to know. Because if, yeah. you, if that's your view on football, and it's not going to happen, so therefore it doesn't matter. Okay, I get it. But the other side of it is, and this is what I said to Asan, I was like, let's say Torres does go, and I've not done anything on it. And it's like, oh yeah, well, I knew that in November, but I didn't think it was going to happen. Something it's like, yeah, I've said this, like, it's, this is like the, a really difficult bit of like, it's like transfers and stuff. And it's like, do you report in February that they're looking at a certain striker or certain midfielder? Or do you just think, well, they're looking at everyone at this point and they haven't really finalised the targets yet. So, so on the one hand, you think, well, this might not happen, but it's good information that they're looking at him. On the other hand, you just think, well, it's not going to happen. So do yourself a favour because at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, all you're going to have in the summer is when something doesn't happen, you're going to have people going, well, you, you said they were you looking. You said this so was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like, but ultimately, you can never really sit on in, on good information. You've just got to go with it. And in this and in this case, like, you know, people are DMing me saying, is there any chance that this Torres stuff isn't true? And it's like, well, you know, I've written the story. So <laughs> I, but also, it's just one of those. It's like, well, Look, like where it's come from, it's one of those where, like, either the guy is telling the truth and he knows Torres and this is the situation, um, and fine, or he's lying, and the guy who's kind of responsible for Ferran Torres's reputation is putting out there that he wants to leave City for no reason. Yeah, like, how does that work? Like, and if that's the case, then there's almost a bigger problem for City. <laughs> there's no, there's no interest. He just wants to fuck off. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's, it'd be really weird. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, the one, the one thing, the one thing that, again, you know, when I was going back to, you do know they've got no money. You do know this. You know, I do ask those questions as well. But ultimately, this is the situation. Like the other part of it is, I know he's not playing because he's injured. But as far as Torres is concerned, he's he knows he's not like. And not a guaranteed starter because nobody's going to be that. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he does want to be a guaranteed starter, and we know it's, that that's not really the case. Yeah. So that would be unreasonable. But if you look at the team, say they're playing Liverpool tomorrow, you know, you know, this, you know, Rodgers going to play, you know, Gundogan's going to play, you know, Bernardo's going to play. So nobody's guaranteed of a place. But you know that you know if you're playing at a high level and this that you know, you're going to play. There, so there are plenty of fixed positions in there, and Torres isn't that for whatever reason. And at Barca, he might well with be. what they've told him about coming. You know, we've got the the Chavi project. You can play as a striker. Um, you know, you've got more of an opportunity to do that. You know that that's where it comes in. He, you know, he, he sees more playing time there. And again, you've obviously got the element of being Spanish and Barca still a big club and this, that, and the other. Um, so it's 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 that it's that difference really between. Yeah, he's got playing time at City, and I said to the guy, I was like, look. In, in February, maybe he's playing all the time. And look, if he does stay and plays loads, that's that is fine for Torres. You know, he he's happy with that. He just wants to play, and he just sees 
you know, more opportunity to do that at Barca. And the final thing to add on to that is he, he knows they're going to sign a striker at some point, whether it's January or the summer, because he knows they want a Kane, he knows they want a Ronaldo. And the fact, he, like, imagine they had signed one of them. How much would Torres have even played this season anyway? Yeah. So it, it goes into that element. I think I've said this before. How well would Torres have to do this season for City not to sign a striker next summer? Yeah. Like how many well, goals they, would he have to score for City to say forget it? Like this, he's on to a bit of a loser there, really. This kind of brings me to what I um, was going to drop as the final question for this show, Sam. And I, I know there's a lot of people yes, gagging for me to, to bring this to yeah, end, yeah, 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 to uh, to ask about this. Um, and I appreciate that this is uh, a little bit of a nuclear bomb to chuck in towards the end of a podcast. But here we go. Right. Um, because let's say Barcelona are able to stump up the money that City would ask for Ferran Torres. Um, yeah. Erling Haaland is out of the Champions League this this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the release clause is is uh, I, I I can't remember what it's at for this summer, but there's a lot of availability there for um, more clubs than would have been able to pay last summer. Um, could it? Could it? If Barcelona could stump up that money, could it start to open some doors there? Open doors. I don't know about Haaland, but the other thing is you've got to, you've got to say because another thing that I've seen mentioned is people saying, "Well, City aren't going to weaken their squad halfway through the season," and that's true of Sterling. It's true of everyone, but. If they're not being weakened, if they're getting somebody else in, and it's like, well, you know what city you're like? Well, if you want to go and you and you bring us an offer, then you can go. But also, it probably means, especially halfway through the season, that City need to do something as well. Um, I was speaking, funnily enough, I was speaking on Friday afternoon before any of this Torres stuff had come onto my radar. I was actually like, what do, I was like, what do the players that you know think about, you know, the big two in Spain anymore? Are they still seen as, you know, the biggest ones? And he was like, well, I don't know what this guy thinks. We don't really speak about this, but but this guy, he's like, he realizes that the Premier League's the best in the world, and you know City are one of the best in the world, and it doesn't really get much better at the moment. So obviously Torres doesn't really subscribe to that theory, but that's interesting. But I was also speaking to the guy, and he was like, "I think they're going to try something in January, in terms of a striker," and that also tallies with what I was told by somebody. Uh, again, this was in October, and he mentioned Haaland specifically in January, but I've not heard anything more on that. Um, with them being out of the Champions League, and the fact that look, this is all two and two together. And we, you know, we don't know if this is going to be four or five or twenty-eight, but like in the summer, we know that City weren't going to pay one hundred and fifty million for Kane, but they were thinking, what, like 100, 120, 100 add-ons, whatever. And like you say, Harlan's clause is seventy odd, whether that's pounds or euros or whatever. But that's in the summer. But if they were to say, well, this is we see this as value, we've got because there's talk of doubling the money on Torres, and also there's another talk which I don't think anybody's written, and I didn't write it either, but. In terms of the amortization of the Torres fee, obviously, look, they've paid the money to Valencia, but how it comes across in the books is that in terms of the, the pure accounting, and I think I explained this when City were handing out contracts to players in the summer, like Edison, their transfer fee gets spread over the life of a contract. And obviously, if like Edison's signed two contract renewals now, so that 30, let's say it was 45 million that he came for, and it was initially spread over a five year deal, you know, that is. A certain amount is eight million. Nine, nine, um, nine fives are forty-five. Some, yeah, they are. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, but then obviously, when he signed the deal at the at the end of the first season for another extension, then that makes that nine smaller. So in the and I'm not going to say exactly how much smaller because um, because because not because I'm shit at maths, but because I don't know how much he signed his contract for. But that then goes to let's say it goes to like. 6.7 million per year in the books and then when he signed the new contract this summer that 6.7 obviously they've already paid some back that then goes the rest of it 
is divided by the next five years, and that goes down to like four million a year. So it's I suppose you could call it an accounting trick, which like is just how it's not. It's just how football works, basically. Yeah. yeah. But the, the thing that was mentioned to me about Torres is it was like twenty three million spread over what like five years, so it's like four million anyway. But then they've already paid it, obviously, so it doesn't affect the fact that the twenty million's gone. But in terms of the accounting, if they sell him, forget. Forget the four million now over the next few years, and they just bank obviously that fifty million, and obviously that's how things work as well. So when people say, "How do they afford this? How do they afford that?" and not just City, but anyone, and it's like, well, let's say Chelsea, that hundred million that they spent on Lukaku is being spread over five years, so that's what? No, I'm joking. That's twenty million a year <laughs> in the in the accounts which they can afford. Whereas everybody they sell. And I can't remember who they sold, so it's a bad example. But let's say they sold somebody in the summer that I've forgotten for sixty million. That sixty million is just bang in the book straight away. Yeah. So, yeah. so with Torres, if they were to get fifty million, bang, there's fifty million you can spend. And let's say it's Haaland, or let's say it's somebody else. Whether they spend seventy-five million or hundred million, that's spread over the contract. So, yeah, one of the elements of City thinking, okay, this might not be such a bad deal. If he wants to go, you've got a, a big injection of cash into the account straight away, which is what they were saying in the summer when they were buying Grealish for hundred million and trying to get Kane for a bit more than that. The, the Sane money was in the same accounts. You know, that Sane money was just a big cash injection. And I think there was Ottoman as well and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's part of it. And, yeah, so to bring Harland, it back to a striker. possible, yeah. Yeah, to bring it back to a striker, if they went, okay, well, 100 million, we could get him for cheaper in the summer, but more people are going to go, blah, blah, blah. Like, like I say, you can just join all the dots and say, well, this could happen. But maybe they go for a striker who's a false nine and doesn't mind not playing in the big Champions League games. Or maybe they go for Haaland because, as Guardiola said, in answer to my question initially, when I kind of had to rush the end of my answer and think, I need to make this a bit snappy. And I was like, is it better? And he was like, no, because we can play really good with a striker <laughs> as well. Which again, I know, and I've said this on this pod to Nadem, I think, when he was saying they're better without a striker. And I was like, well, they could be even better with a striker in a slightly different way. But yeah, I don't know, whoever it is, if Torres were to go in January, you would imagine that either they would think we've got enough depth here, which I suppose is possible because... He's not been missed, has he? I'm not being harsh, but Torres hasn't been missed, has he, over the last month that he's been out. City have been fine. Yeah. So maybe they think there's enough, or they would go, okay, it's striker season now. And I have heard a couple of noises about looking at a striker in January, but not to the point yet where I'm ready to go black and white. You can hold me to this in the future. They're looking at a striker. So, God, this was a long podcast, wasn't it? I I was very tempted there to do a uh, Elmer Fudd impression. This is two podcasts. It's two podcasts. An Elmer Fudd impression when you said it's striker season, but I, I resisted the urge because... Um, <laughs> Could you do an Elmer Fudd? Would I'm that not, be more embarrassing than I, my maths? I I think, no, I'm not I'm not going to do it. Because um, I, I just thought of... I was thinking of the cartoon, it's Wabbit season. Um, but here we are. <laughs> well, you did it there, so... I, I, well, that, that was that, that. Yeah, that that was a bit of Bugs Bunny. But there we go. That's a, that's a way to finish this episode of The Big Short. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. We've uh, done some uh, done some good maths uh, right to to finish you off. Uh, but no, that brings us to another this week's why was us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thanks Sam. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's good to be back. It, fe- it feels like I'm back now. Now I'm back in the swing of things. The energy's really picked up, I think. So, yeah, I can hold the microphone in both hands and all sorts. Excellent. You also don't sound uh, dreadfully hungover. So, there we <laughs> no. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were saying it, they genuinely didn't think it was me. <laughs> uh, which would have been a nice little treat. Unfortunately, the content would have been the same. Hey-ho, there we go. Uh, go back and have a listen to that if you want. Uh, you can also sign up to The Athletic right now with a 33% discount. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.